This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I can't believe I'm saying this. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line by the one and only Jennifer Aniston. Why did Jennifer Aniston start a hair care company? Because she was tired of choosing between hair products that work and hair products that are actually good for us. But thanks to Lola V, we never have to choose again. No silicones, no sulfates, parabens, or gluten. And of course, it's cruelty-free and vegan. The glossing detangler and perfect conditioner are my personal favorites. Not only do they repair the look of damaged hair, but they also shield it from future harm. The first step to unlocking confidence in your dating life and your daily life is feeling confident about your hair. So unlock Jennifer Aniston approved hair at lolav.com. And as listeners of Seeing Other People, you're getting an exclusive 15% off off of your entire order when you use code Seeing Other People at checkout. That's 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com with promo code Seeing Other People. Please note you can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After your purchase, they will ask you where you heard about them. Please, please, please support Seeing Other People and let them know that I sent you. Hey guys, it's Alana and welcome back for another episode of Seeing Other People. You guys are walking into a shit show right now, but it's gonna be great. Um, I had my shower drain fixed over the weekend and I was away. I just got back. I showered this morning for the first time. The, The drain worked swimmingly. The water just went right down there. And when I went to go walk Barkley an hour later, um, the entire carpet outside of my bedroom door was soaked. Like not just wet, like like I had footprints of water going for like a solid minute after that. Um, and so now there are love two lovely men in my apartment drilling into my wall and about to drill into my bathtub. So bear with me. This is going to be an incredible episode despite all of that. Um, I'm so excited for this one. You guys, this is an episode I've wanted you to hear for so long. And I am so grateful to have Talia Goldstein, the founder of Three Day Rule Matchmaking here with me. And it's this is just great. Let's let's do it. Talia, welcome to seeing other people. Thank you. Can't wait to chat. <laughs> so excited. I know a lot of us love to take breaks from dating, but that doesn't mean we should take breaks from having fun, hanging out with our friends, and treating ourselves. My favorite way to treat myself is to bake something delicious with the help of Hugh Kitchen's No Added Sugar Keto Chocolate Chips. It's also my favorite way to just snack and eat something yummy out of the bag without feeling guilty, but that's besides the point. The no added sugar keto chocolate chips are unlike any other chocolate chips out there. They're sweetened only with dates, not that kind of dates, the fruit kind, dried and ground. They're keto certified, vegan, paleo, non-GMO, kosher, and gluten-free. So you can grab any friend and have a cozy night in baking and snacking on these regardless of their dietary restrictions. The best part is that they're fair trade, which means that they treat the humans that source the ingredients with humanity and pay them fair wages. And if you want more than chocolate chips, trust me, Hugh Kitchen has you covered. I'm obsessed with all of their chocolate bars. And the most exciting part is that they're all dairy-free, which means they are not causing me any tummy issues. We love that. So what are you waiting for? Treat yourself and your tummy today at HughKitchen.com and use code SEEINGOTHERPEOPLE for 20% off your order. That's H-U-K-I-T-C-H-E-N.com. So a lot of questions. I haven't actually spoken to a matchmaker beyond you and our conversations prior um, on seeing other people. And so I'm really excited for my audience to really learn about them. I know I, I think matchmakers are one of those things where there is a big stigma around using one. And similar to when dating apps came about, like people didn't want to say they met on a dating app. And I think it's the, the situation is still the same where people don't necessarily want to say they met using a matchmaker. But I think matchmaking is one of the most incredible things and such an amazing resource. And so I'm curious to hear from you. um, First of all, like what does a matchmaker actually consist of? Mm -hmm. We're basically like your friend. So we get to know you and what you're looking for in a partner. And then we go and we interview people who we think could be a match for you. And anyone who's a fit, we send over to you. So it's kind of like outsourcing your love life. But really, we're your friend, your therapist, your cheerleader. So matchmaking does have a little bit of a stigma, but I think that's actually going away. Yeah, I love that. I mean, even just hearing you say like we're your friend, like you say in such a happy, like excited tone as if like you actually do befriend the people that who are your clients, like you get to know the ins and outs of them. And that sounds so fun. It's the best. We truly become friends. And we want nothing more than for you to succeed. So we'll do whatever it takes to get you there. So when you're on your date, we cannot wait to hear what's happening. Like I'm dying to get the update after. 
because it kind of feels like you're on the date when your client's going on the date. So it really truly does feel like a friend is setting you up and the matchmakers are so passionate about the work that we do. And, you know, our job is to get you into a healthy relationship. At the very least, you walk away a more confident dater and we're here to help you get there. Yeah, absolutely. So backing up a bit, how did you end up starting this company? What led you to say like, you know what, like this is something I want to do first of all. Like how did you find yourself in the position of being a matchmaker? And then how did you say, this is something, there's something here, this is working and I'm going to create a company so more people can benefit from it? Yeah, it really started just as a passion project. I was a television producer at E! Entertainment and everyone around me was single. And just for fun, I started matching up my friends and my coworkers. And I had all these couples that I had set up successfully and they would tell their friends. So at work, I would sit in my cubicle and I would have a line of people coming to get relationship advice and they wanted to be set up by me. So I decided to start hosting parties around town. That way I could bring more people together. So the first one had about 20, 30 people. It was a combination of my coworkers and my friends. And then the next one, we had about 300 people. The next one, 600 people. And we were taking over huge hotels around LA. And it was a blast. Everyone knew that they were there for the same reason. Everyone was single and interesting and attractive and successful. And so I was like a maniac, just pairing people together at the events. And really, it was at one of those events when I realized that something was missing in the market, and I decided to leave my job and do matchmaking full-time. I love that. And I love how you really capitalized on this opportunity of, like, people need this. And I mean, my thing, like, people come to me all the time asking to set them up with somebody. And my issue that I always run into is like, I have a lot of single friends that are girls. I don't have a lot of single friends that are guys. And so I think it's amazing what you did of like, maybe you didn't know all of the people that were coming to the party. I'm sure you did at least know of them when it was small at first, but word got out. You let people hear about it. You let people come to this thing and they didn't have to necessarily be people you knew, like you made them want to be there. Mm -hmm. And every time we would do an event, People would have a blast and then they would invite their friends. So it it snowballed from there where we would actually split it up 50-50 men and women. So it was equal. And Mm -hmm. we would do some sort of silly icebreakers just to get people to meet. So the women would have a wristband with a number and the men would have a wristband with a number and they had to find their matching number. And when they did, they'd win a prize. And I would get all these amazing prizes from like hotel rooms to free shoes and clothes. So they were super excited when they ended up meeting their match. Wow. That is awesome. And yeah, I can imagine that they also would end up meeting other people in the process of trying to find, like, I'm sure some people like see someone and then they just give up. They're like, nah, I'm not finding my number. I got this person. (laughs) Exactly. It was the perfect way to just approach anyone. Yeah. From there, you know, I could clearly see that people were having trouble meeting and everyone was so fascinating. So you're right. People need like a little bit of a nudge and a friend to help introduce Yeah. And I also think an event like that or any type of singles events that you see, I feel like people are like hesitant to go to them again because like of the stigma around them, but it's like, you're putting yourself into a place where you can meet people. And that's something that people really struggle with is meeting people in person. And that's what everybody wants, but they're not actually putting themselves out there in the right situations to do so. And so I think that's amazing. And I think that's something that people really need to remember to do. I know, I remember like when it would come around to be Valentine's day, when I was single, I would always say to my friends like, Oh, like, it's a Friday night and it's Valentine's day, you know, where we shouldn't go a restaurant, you know, where we should go a bar because everybody at that bar we know is going to be single because they're not out on like a Valentine's day date right now. Yeah. It's so true. And we do interviews with people all day long and we're always asking the question, is this a priority in your life? You know, finding a relationship. And usually they'll say, yes, it is the number one priority. I say, great. What are you doing to make it happen? And usually it's nothing, you know, so you're right. You have to do something proactive if you actually do want a relationship. It doesn't happen when you least expect it. Yeah, it happens when you put in the work to find it and create it and build it and continue on with it. Yes, exactly. Um, Okay, so question for you. In your work as a matchmaker and through everything you've seen in, in the dating world over the last 10 years, how is the 
like what are the biggest flaws in modern dating that maybe you have or you haven't been able to solve? Yeah, I think that the apps obviously helped people in that you have access to millions of people you otherwise would not have met, but they also brought on so many challenges. So I actually think dating today is much harder than it was pre-apps. And I think the main issue is all like based on assumptions. So we're making assumptions at every turn, yes, online dating and then texting and then on the date. So that is problematic with online dating. So people are 100% swiping past their soulmates. They're just looking at an app, judging very quickly, is this their person or not? And just making decisions and usually swiping left based on yeah. very little information. So I think that's a for starters, an issue with dating today, we have several couples that I know of that we matched successfully that told us they swiped past their person. So people are just making too many assumptions on the apps. And then also moving forward on texting, they're making assumptions based on the banter or not having banter, and then on the dates as well. So I'm happy to give examples of each step because I've seen this so clearly through the matchmaking process. Yeah, for sure. I would love to hear those, but just jumping back to the like swiping past your person, like I, today's actually my one year anniversary with my <gasps> boyfriend, Jake. Oh, and happy anniversary. Thanks. Um, and we always joke about how like we had matched before. So we matched in January of 2021. It's now February of 2022. Our first date wasn't until the beginning of February, celebrating one year from that date today. Anywho, we know for a fact that we had matched in October of 2020. How do we know that? Because I had, te- I had looked him up, um, saw he was like from where I grew up. So I looked him up on Facebook, had a bunch of mutual friends, saw one who was like, oh, I can totally text Helena and ask about Jake. Like, And so I texted Helena and she re- told me this whole story about how like she got to the checkout line at Sweetgreen, had her salad in hand and realized she didn't have her wallet. And suddenly like Jake swooped out and they had interned together like five years before. And he was her like knight in shining Sweetgreen armor. And like, he's a great guy, whatever. And I don't know what happened. We just never talked. And here comes January. I match with this guy named Jake. I look him up on Facebook. I see that Helena's mutual friend. I text her and I say, what's this kid's deal? She goes, Alana, scroll up in our conversation. (laughs) So like, it is so true. I mean, we make assumptions like, oh, this guy didn't message me. He's not interested. Or even when we matched again for the second time, he messaged me and I didn't respond. And he had to, he messaged me again being like, Hey, figured I'd try again. And like, obviously thank God he did, but like he could have assumed like, oh, like she doesn't, she's not interested. Like she's ghosting me already. Like I'm not going to bother. And I don't know. I just like was busy that week and didn't see the message. Um, And my other point to that is I remember after my last or one of my last relationships, I was like maybe in month two of the breakup, month three, and and I was having a really hard time with it. But I had tried to get back myself back on the apps and I was swiping, I was swiping, swiping through. And then there pops up my ex-boyfriend and I looked at his profile and it was this like light bulb moment of like, oh my God, like, first of all, I'm, I'm going to be okay without him because Second of all, I never would have matched with this guy (laughs) on a dating app had I seen his profile. I used to laugh when once a year someone would ask me what my skincare routine was because I've never had one and it was probably the Paris filter on Instagram. But now people are asking me every week and that is a clear sign that something has changed. And that's because something has changed. I actually do have a skincare routine now thanks to Curology. Curology is the game-changing custom skincare made for you by a dermatology provider. They create a custom prescription cream for you based on your specific goals, whether that's tackling acne, clogged pores, skin texture, dark spots, fine lines, or something else. You start by taking a short online quiz and uploading photos, and if it's a good fit, they'll ship your formula right to your door. It even has your name on the bottle. What could be better? I'm loving getting compliments on my skin, but more than that, I'm loving how great I feel about my skin and how proud I am of myself for actually sticking to a routine for once in my life. So get started with Curology just like I did with a free 30-day trial at curology.com slash seeing other people. Just pay $5 for shipping and handling. That's C-U-R-O-L-O-G-Y dot com slash seeing other people to start your free 30-day trial. Cancel anytime. Prescription subject to consultation. I know. The profiles are really tricky. And the 
I feel like the guys that have the best profiles are actually the people you don't want to date. And some of the people that have the worst profiles are the gems. Like they don't have a million photos of themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just, it's not our fault. It's just very hard to make quick decisions based on a basic profile. It's like yeah. one couple that I matched through three day rule, he signed up with us and he didn't even put a picture. Like nobody would swipe right on him. He actually is the best guy ever. And he's now married to our client and they have a baby. So it's, it's just too hard, which yeah. is why friends and matchmaking is a lot easier because we get a 360 view of who you are. And it's just much easier for us to set you up appropriately. Like Absolutely. One of our couples, she, she got married. We matched her and she got married. And a few months after they were married, he admitted that he swiped past her on Bumble. And what he said was, she's a professor. And he made all these assumptions about what she was like based on her profile and profession. But then we sent him a bio all about who she is outside of work and her personality. And they had so much in common. He was super excited to meet her. And when they met, it was amazing. And they ended up getting married. So that happens a lot in, I mean, in your example as well. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was swiping, um, I would see like my problem was like, I would see that somebody was a consultant and I'm like, Oh, well I know everything about them. And like, it didn't work out with that one consultant I dated because he was traveling for work. So, and like, didn't want to make it work. So it's not going to go, it's not going to work out with any consultant I date. And like, the same thing on the flip side where like I was really into guys in the music business. So I would literally just scroll, like swipe left, swipe left, swipe left, just looking at people's jobs. And then the second I saw that somebody worked in music, regardless of what they looked like, regardless of the rest of their profile, I'd swipe right. And obviously that never worked out for me. Right. It's, oh gosh. I hear it all the time where people say, well, I'll date all these professions, except I won't date an attorney because I've had experience. And then they end up I with know. an attorney. Yes. Yep. One of my early clients, she came to me and she said, I, she was Jewish and she said, I want someone Jewish and I do not want anyone in the entertainment industry, like based on her past experience. And then when I dug a little bit deeper, I realized she wanted Jewish and she wasn't actually that religious. I said, please just trust me. And I paired it with a Catholic film producer and they are (laughs) married. They are the cutest couple. They have twins. And she was wrong. Like this guy was amazing in entertainment. Wow. I feel like as we date, we accumulate these long lists of I do not want to date X, Y, and Z. And like they're false assumptions. Yeah. And I think you have to consider like it's not, it might not necessarily be about like where the person grew up or what type of job they have or how many roommates they have. Like it might be like actually who they are, how they treat you, how they communicate with you. Like those are the defining factors of like whether or not your relationship ended up being healthy, ended up being successful. Like it's not because they have a house in the Hamptons and like want to go party every weekend. I don't yes. know why I use that example because <laughs> I, that's the most random thing in the world, but maybe I, I'm, I don't know. I want to go to the Hamptons right now, apparently. Um, and just but, to ask yourself why, when you do come up yeah. with these assumptions, we had one actually a couple of weeks ago, she said she didn't want anyone from the Upper East Side. Well, we paired her with this guy from the Upper East Side and they yep. couldn't be cuter and she's so happy, but the question is why, like when you come up with a reason why you don't want to date an attorney or a consultant, just really get to the bottom of why. And if it's based on one person, that's not a great reason. Everyone deserves a clean slate. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. So beyond just the assumptions people are making on the apps, what are the other like common mistakes that people are making when it comes to dating? Or if somebody is like a new client, they come in, you learn about their dating history. What are the the common pitfalls that people are like experiencing? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it starts from what they're looking for. So what we do as matchmakers is people sign up and they're assigned somebody to speak with. And we go through their parents' marriage and their background and their goals for the future, but we also cover what are they looking for. And usually they come with a pretty long list. And so our job is to help them prioritize. I think a lot of it comes down to prioritization of what you, what's going to make a difference in 20 years. So they come to us with this list and then we help them break it down into three must-haves, three deal breakers, and 10 nice-to-haves. So I think just a pitfall of dating on your own is that you accumulate this really long list and you might be searching for things that actually won't make a difference. I love those ratios. Like I think those that's the perfect ratio. And I like how many nice to haves there are because yeah, there are things where like if somebody has 
one out of 10 nice to haves, that doesn't mean that they're not right for you. You know, they're not, they don't have the deal breakers that you have listed as deal breakers. And I think that we are so quick to say like this thing about somebody isn't going to work for me. This thing about somebody will work for me. And I think you have to actually give yourself a chance to get to know the person. Like if they don't, if, if their list like comparing next to your list, like doesn't scream that they're a serial killer, like go get to know them because they might be a really great person. Right. Exactly. I know. We always tell people, you know, if you go on a date and you're remotely attracted to them and they seem like a kind person, go out again. It just sometimes can take like four or five dates to really see different sides to someone's mm-hmm. personality. And too many people are judging on the first date and moving on. So they're really missing opportunities. Yeah. So, okay. In your process with your clients, how, I know you mentioned like you are, you wait for their, like their post-date kind of deep dive and you hear about all of that. What happens during that conversation? Like what happens if your client is like, no, like I did not like the person, like where do you go from there? Or do you talk about like more than just whether or not they liked them? Like what is the, the real meat of the process that makes a difference? Mm -hmm. So after every date, we get feedback from both sides. So from our client and from the match. So we can really understand what worked on the date, what didn't work on the date. How did you feel about yourself on the date? You know, we do ask a handful of questions so we can really assess if this is worth a second date. And then we can figure out what the next step is. And sometimes, you know, people are on two different dates and one person thought it was the best day ever in their person and the other person wasn't in the same boat. But it's wow. very helpful to get the feedback because actually a lot of times we're bridging the gap between two people who like each other and don't know. So mm-hmm. through us, we're able to say, you actually like each other, you should go out again. But outside of matchmaking, they might not go out a second time. And going back to that conversation around assumptions, it's happening after the date. So to give you an example, we had a couple recently, they went on the date and they reported back to their matchmaker that they both liked each other, but he didn't ask her out again because he made the assumption that she wasn't interested. And so he said, out of respect for her, I'm not going to ask her out again. Well, when we found, when we asked him why, he said, she was yawning on the date and I knew that she was bored. So when we talked wow. to her, we said, what happened? Were you, were you bored on the date? It sounds like you were yawning. She's like, what? She had no idea that she was yawning on the date. She had a long work week and she was tired, but she really liked him. Mm-hmm. So they both liked each other and they ended up going out again through a matchmaker. But that happens a lot where I think outside of matchmaking, people are just making assumptions of whether or not that other person was interested and then either asking them out or not asking them out. When really what would solve everything is just clear communication about whether you actually want a second date. So if you are going on a date and you're into the other person, make sure they know that by the end of the date instead of walking away. Even saying, thank you so much. I had a nice time. That's not enough. They don't know if you want a second date or not. Just make sure you are very clear so that people don't have to make assumptions. Totally. I'm still caught on what you said about like they were on two totally different dates because I feel like this happens a lot. And this is something I know my listeners come to me with often where it's like they thought it went really well and they just never heard from them again. And I'm like, okay, well, I, why, why is it on them to reach out? Like you should reach out if you haven't heard from them and you want to hear from them, like reach out. And then sometimes mm-hmm. like, sometimes it won't be this like two separate situation. It'll just be like, Oh, like they reached out and it went great. And they're like, yeah, like, why didn't I think I could reach out? I'm like, because society, <laughs> but yeah. in those situations where someone had truly had an amazing time and somebody had an awful time, what do you think that is like why is that yeah. happening and why are people reading the room so differently it's because some people are excellent at dating they know how to make the other person feel special and maybe they've had a ton of practice or they're the charmers and so any person they're going on a date with the other person is going to feel special and like it's their person they're just excellent at dating and then you have some people who are gems and will make the best spouse and mother or father but they're not as charismatic on the first date. And so sometimes those people are not getting the second date where the charmers everyone wants to go out with again. Yeah. 
And you know, I, as, as you're saying that I'm like, shit, like that was me. Like I, I got very good at going on like first and second dates because I had done it so many times. And I was also like, I mean, I was working in the dating world. I was learning about them, but I actually had a conversation with Jake over the weekend. Um, we were away with a few other couples and somebody asked like, okay, like what's since star one, you're coming up, like what's something like a misconception you had about the other person when you first met them that you now know. And Jake's answer for me was he thought I was really confident and lo and behold, I'm not that confident, (laughs) but um, especially when it came to like, our date. And I said, like, what do you like, why did you think I was confident, like versus not or whatever? And he was like, really be like, because of like, you waltzed right in, it was 20 degrees, you, were, you told me you were wearing leggings under your jeans and four layers, and you had your little portable hand warmer, like, who brings that to a date, you didn't care, you were just like, yeah, I want to be warm, like, let's get warm drinks, like, so we can warm our hands up. And you just acted as if like, we hadn't just met each other. And I'm like, that's true. Like I was good at first dates. Was I actually confident? No, but could I do the song and dance? Yes. Mm -hmm. If you have dating anxiety, I have a very important message for you. So listen up, you know, me, you've heard me talk about my dating anxiety on seeing other people. And at some point I actually overcame it. I stopped being obsessive about checking my phone every five seconds to see if my date had texted me yet. I stopped overthinking and self-sabotaging and really creating stories in my head about what happened on the date when in reality, the date was great and I was going to hear from them again. And the clear change happened when I started taking a CBD happy gummy before my date and a CBD calm gummy after my date. And these are all from mindset wellness, CBD mindset wellness literally changed my dating life. I totally think that they are the reason that I am in a relationship now that is healthy and I'm happy. And it really helped me calm myself down and get out of my head and be present on the date, be happy, be my best self on the date. And then after the date, not overthink, not go crazy and not drive myself insane thinking about all of these things that were out of my control that I was probably making up and that really had nothing to do with anything. So if you have dating anxiety and you haven't tried taking mindset wellness CBDs gummies before and after your date, trust me, they are a complete game changer. You have to try them. I have a 20% off code for you. If you go to mindsetwellness.com, use code seeing other people at checkout, that's 20% off and free shipping and get rid of your dating anxiety. So you have no excuse. You have to go do it. And I can't wait to hear how much it helps. Yeah. And in some ways it's a skill. It takes practice. So it's not a bad thing to go and go on dates and get practice and see what works and what doesn't work. It's just that, you know, move past that when you're analyzing whether or not this is your person or not, mm-hmm. you know, figure out, did that person make you feel comfortable? Did you feel like the best version of yourself or were you acting like someone else? So likely when you met your boyfriend, part of the reason why you felt confident is he probably made you feel safe and comfortable to be yourself. And that's a great sign. Totally. And that's something that you should look for. Like when, if you went on a good date, if you had a good time on a date, even if it you were excited, you wanted to see them again, they turns out they didn't want to see you. Don't just look at it as a failure. Think about it. Like what made that date good? And if it was about them and how they made you feel, what were they doing to make you feel that way? Were they asking certain questions? Were they like opening up about a certain thing? Were you not talking about this thing that you usually talk about on dates? Like really use each date as a learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. Totally agree with that. Yeah. So, okay. What happens when you have a client who comes in, who's like a super like hopeless romantic, it hasn't worked out. They're so like defeated. Cause I, I mean, I imagine most people come to you in a time of kind like they feel like they're desperate and they like really need help. How do you take that and turn them into like a more confident, like excited, like you can do this. It is going to work out type of mm-hmm. dater. Well, people come to us for all different reasons. Some people can get a date any night of the week. I would say the majority of our clients are in that boat where they get, they know they can get a date any night of the week, but they're coming to us because they're looking for the highest quality matches. And then some people really have had trouble dating online and getting a second or third date. So they're coming to us for help and expert advice. Some people are fresh out of a divorce and they're trying to get back out there. So people come to us for different reasons. But there definitely are times where they're like, 
oh, I can't do it anymore. I cannot go on another date. And so often it's just the next match that ends up being their person. So we, like I said before, we're your coach and therapist and best friend. Like part of our role is to talk to you and motivate you to go on that next date because it probably is that next one. And it just takes one. And once you meet your person, you're done and you never have to date again. And then you really appreciate the person that you're with. So dating is challenging and frustrating and you'll go on you know, dates with people that aren't the right fit, but then you eventually find the right person and you, know, you never have to do it again. So part of our job is just to keep them accountable to make sure they're going on dates to hit their goal and then also keep them motivated and hopeful. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I think the accountability in itself, like that is so big. I think that's a really big issue that people run into where like they want to date. They're like, okay, like I downloaded the app or like I updated my profile. I'm swiping, like I'm doing everything that I could possibly be doing, but it's like, they're not actually like, they're not actively trying to go on like a date a week or trying to figure out like what hasn't worked in the past in their dating lives. So I think having somebody really by your side to hold your hand through it and say like, you're going to go on a date this week. Here's right. the person you're going to go on a date with right. and you're going to let me know how it is. And we're going to learn from that. Like that makes the biggest difference. Yeah. Part of why people hire us is to same time and energy. Like you probably don't want to go on 15 dates this week, but I'm happy to do that for you. And then I'll just send you the best one. Like that's why you're hiring us is Basically, we're going on all of your bad first dates. We're just going to save you all that time. And we're just going to send you the ones that are the most compatible. So we do keep you accountable in that you're going on dates with high quality matches. And you don't have to do it yourself. Like the average online dater spends 12 hours a week online. So usually people with very full, exciting lives don't have 12 extra hours to do it. Yeah. And and if you're spending all that time on on the apps like you're going to feel terrible about it for the most part like nobody looks most single people do not look as dating apps it's like I love these apps like I love swiping every night like trying to find somebody yeah. in a sea of a million people who don't want to date me like nobody looks at dating apps like that so I, I think that's great um one two questions I have for you the first is um, when it comes to people who have really high standards and, and really want that like amazing person, that person who's like high up in their field of business, like similar to them, what are some of the things that you kind of might have to like level with them on? Like, okay, they don't actually have to have graduated from an Ivy League. Or if somebody mm -hmm. says that, like, do they ever not budge on that? Mm hmm. Well, it's pretty nuanced, so it's really ultimately up to them and what they want those must-haves to be. But we try to match people based on what's going to make a difference later in life. And so it's just having those types of conversations of, okay, if they went to an Ivy League school 20 years down the line, is that really going to make a difference? Or would you prefer someone who is a great dad and supportive and loyal? Like, Let's weigh those two and which one is more important. So our job is to take the list of everything that they're looking for and then help them figure out what's really going to matter. And it's true that a lot of people come to us and they are at the top of their field and they want someone else at the top of their field. They feel like they've worked this hard and now they want someone else who's done the same. And I understand why they're asking for that. It does narrow the pool. You know, the more successful you are, the smaller your pool gets if that's what you're looking for. But Part of it is, is that really what you need? You know, some people come to us and they are super successful and they have a ton of money and they're asking for the same thing. Well, is that really what's missing in your life, money? Like, probably not. It's probably like spending quality time with someone that makes you laugh and, you know, someone who is going to be a great planner and for you to travel with. So, it's just having conversations with people and everyone is different. Their lists are all different. So figuring out what is going to be important for you long-term. And if you are asking for, let's say, Ivy League educated, why? Like, mm. And it might be, that's okay. If that's your thing and that you really value education that much and that's so important to you, great. Now you know that is in your top three things to look for. But usually they realize through the process that's actually not actually a priority for them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know I, I have a friend of mine who is like that. And 
she's one of the smartest people I know, but she didn't even go to an Ivy, but like she only yes. wants to date a guy who went to an Ivy. And I'm like, why? Like, you don't need that. And she's like, no, it says a lot about them and, and their drive. I'm like, or about like their family's money. <laughs> like you don't right. know. Yeah. Have and you ever met an entrepreneur who was super successful and didn't go to college? I mean, there's so exactly. many other options. Exactly. And I think just saying to yourself, like, that's what I want. Like you're really limiting yourself and, and you're, I think you're doing yourself a disservice if your filters are too narrow. Right. And we talk about this all the time. Like Haida is a perfect example. Almost oh, yeah. everyone we speak with, you know, the women ask for someone six feet tall. Well, 7% of single men in the U.S. are six feet tall. So you just narrowed your entire pool to 7%. And then you want to add Ivy League educated and comes from a great fit. Like, you are left with about three people in your city. So if that is what you want. You've already met, <laughs> gone on dates with, and decided you didn't like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and I get people coming to me like that all the time. And even like friends and, and people I've just crossed paths with um, in the dating world, they all want somebody, like a, every girl wants a guy who's six foot plus. And, and I'm like, you're five three. Right. You yes. don't need that. In fact, it's going to like strain your neck when you try it. <laughs> yes. It's going to be an expensive problem later with all the massages and the chiropractor. Yeah, exactly. So my next question is about compatibility. When you're having these kind of like screeners and you're trying to decide like, is this person a fit beyond obviously like the deal breakers and the nice to haves and, and those like list on paper things, what are you looking for when assessing compatibility? A lot of it is like core values. Um, so it's just listening to them and understanding what is truly important in terms of their value system. It's timeline is a big one. So if you want to get married in the next year versus someone who just wants to casually date for, not casually, but date for a couple years and then later down the line get married. So I think timeline is really important too. So it's a lot. Like It's not a science. It's really listening to people and what is truly going to matter for them. But like, for example, generosity, you gave an example of your, your boyfriend. Oh, with the sweet green, like that might be a core value to you that you wanted mm -hmm. someone generous and hearing that story could have made a difference. So our job is to listen to what they say they're looking for and then kind of assess what their core values are and match them accordingly. Yeah. As I'm hearing you speak, I mean, I'm, I'm, what I'm hearing is like the most incredible thing that you are offering people is that they're going on a date with somebody who they know is on the same path as them, who is aligned. Like there are so many times when so many stories we hear of people like falling in love, being in this long-term serious relationship. And then they find out that the other person doesn't want kids and like right. they want five kids or like one person wants one kid, one person wants four kids and like they, neither of them want to budge. Or like you said on their timelines, like some, some of my friends really want to settle down and meet their person tomorrow and be engaged in a year and a half and get married in the beginning of 2024 like they know that that's what they want mm -hmm. and then I have other friends who are like you no know, like I have to I, I'm gonna finish business school I'm gonna finish law school before I even look for somebody serious and I don't want to be married until I'm like well in my 30s like I want to have kids at the last possible second like so everybody's on really different timelines and, and that's a huge problem in dating that you're solving for right off the bat right it's so we take care of all of that ahead of time. So your job is just to see if the chemistry is there. You already know your timeline aligns and your values align and what your lists are. Do you want kids or not have kids or is religion important to you or politics? Like we've already taken care of it. So your job is really just to go on the date and have fun and see if you think the chemistry can build. I mean, we even take that. care of attraction ahead of time because we ask our clients to send to photos ask. of their exes and who they find attractive. So we do the best that we can to align you when you're going on the date. And then really, it, I wish that we could predict chemistry, but we can't. But that's the missing piece that you have to figure out. Yeah. And, and it's okay to go on dates with someone who, with a person who you were set up with, you're excited about, you, you thought that like, oh, this could be it and then have it not work out. Like, again, you have to just look at it as a learning opportunity and, and figure out, okay, well, like this person seemed perfect. Like, what about them wasn't what I wanted or what I was looking for? And sometimes part of the process is tweaking that list. So 
it can be an iterative process where they come to us and we have this idea of who their person's going to be. But then after we get the feedback after the date, we're like, okay, now I learned this about you. Now you learn this about yourself and we're going to tweak it a little bit for the next guy. We're going to do this. And so sometimes the people that they end up with are a little bit different than what they asked for to begin with. And that's part of the journey. So I would say that actually happens pretty often where they come to us with a list of what they're looking for and they end up marrying someone a little bit outside of their comfort zone, but it takes us that journey to get there. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to the actual dates, because you're taking care of all the pre-work, you're making sure they're aligned. What advice do you give your clients for the dates? Are there conversations they should be having, topics they shouldn't bring up? Like what should the dates actually be about? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, they should be fun. And the great thing about matchmaking, as we just said, is we already took care of all of the stuff. Like we already know you align. So you don't even have to cover that on the date. Really, it's just whether or not you have shared interests and you know if you enjoy each other's company. But usually what the date should be is just a ping pong match back and forth, asking each other questions and genuinely being interested in what their answers are, not just getting ready to share your next story. Oh, so yeah. it's... <laughs> We, the feedback that we get sometimes from the dates, like the other person was too negative. You know, you don't want to be talking about your ex or be a little, a downer on a first date. And you want to make sure that you are not talking too much about work. You're welcome to talk about work, but that can't be all that you're talking about or else it's very difficult to have a romantic connection. So the date should be pretty light and fun, talking about topics and figure and learning more about each other, but being genuinely interested in what they have to say. Yeah, absolutely. What about in the situation where somebody is a little bit more reserved or shy or they take a little longer to open up? Because like, I know I've been on dates where it felt like I was like pulling teeth and yeah, maybe they weren't interested in me, but like there's, there are a few examples that I can think of where like, I think they're actually like was chemistry there and maybe we even like met before going on an official date and like hit it off and then you get to the date and like I don't know you try everything like you're asking the questions but like they're giving one word answers back or they're not asking you questions in return and like how do you kind of what do you do in that situation if you really do want to give the person a try you know mm -hmm. well that's why you give somebody a second shot because some people are nervous on the first day or they're coming from work and they're exhausted. So if there's any part of you that is interested in learning more and maybe it wasn't the stellar first date, you should go on a second date because usually they're loosened up by then and then you can assess better on that second date. But if you're really struggling on a first date and they're not sharing very much, like come with some stories, you know, or you can come with some interesting questions to ask, like just to keep the date going. I also think it's pretty helpful to have shorter dates for that reason so that you can get to know someone over an hour, maybe two, and then you want to know more. Like some people go rogue on these eight, nine hour dates and you've just disclosed everything about yourself and it, you leave little mystery. So I think shorter dates are better in the beginning just to get to know someone and, you know, make sure there aren't all the ton of silences and not oversharing. Totally. I'm laughing a ton because I used to be like the queen of oversharing and, and my friends would just make fun of me because I would go on like nine hour long dates that sounded they were out, like out of, out of a movie and I'd come home being like, oh my God, I'm in love. And it's like, no, there was literally nothing there. Like I just was way too into it. Like somehow, sometimes, yes, like the dates could have actually been great, but obviously it didn't work out long-term. And yeah, I think that's something where that should have been four dates. Not yes, one. Exactly. And, then, and then it's awkward of like, well, where do we go from here? We just skipped a ton of steps. Like, and I, I don't mean like sexually, like that was never my thing. Like I definitely like would take more time if anything, um, to get comfortable with someone, but like skipped a ton of steps and like, I'd be having fifth date conversations on the first date. And mm -hmm. then you're like, you text the next morning, like great to meet you last night. Like, it's just weird. Yeah, I know. It's just the oversharing, and it's sometimes when you're on a date for that long, like it can get, get negative where you're just oversharing past relationships, all your traumas, all yeah. your trauma. It's like your baggage, and you're like, I'm just gonna throw it all out there and see if they're even gonna be interested in a second date, and usually it backfires. 
Exactly. Yeah. All right. Shorter dates. I like it. Short and sweet. Um, okay. So a few last questions for you that I'm really excited to hear. Um, one is what is the best dating advice that you have ever been given? So I never really got relationship advice, except that my mom would say the same thing to me over and over growing up. She would always tell me to marry the boring engineer. And I think my dad is a doctor and they're very happily married, but I think what she was going for was marry the steady, stable, nice guy. So that was her way of telling me she would always say marry the boring engineer. I love that because that means you really, truly love them for who they are and like what's in their heart and their character and their values and not for like their paycheck or this like hot shot lifestyle that they live um, or because you feel like you need to like fix them, whatever it is. I love that a lot. Yeah, it ended up where I ended up marrying an attorney, but I do feel that he, <laughs> <laughs> he has those, he's so kind and he coaches our son's baseball games and he basically you know he's like a true partner so yes I love that that's that 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 is like what I want you know like I want to marry somebody who will coach our kids sports that's like I love that my dad did that and we always laugh about it um cough cough Jake (laughs) okay last um last question before we go I know when we spoke last time yeah guys backstory is Talia and I recorded this interview um (laughs) in the end of 2021 and for the first time ever or in my two years of podcasting, I lost an episode and it was incredibly tragic. Um, but so thank you again, Talia, for, for being back here and doing this again. I appreciate it so much and I can't wait for everyone to hear this. Um, I remember when we last spoke, you shared an incredible success story that was like your favorite one. Um, if you can share that again, everyone needs to hear it. I have so, I don't even remember which one I shared with you. Was it, I... I guess I'll just, I can share two. Is that helpful? Share two. Oh my God, I love <laughs> okay. it. Yes. Okay. Well, one of them was like a matchmaker miracle. I don't remember if this is what I shared, but we had this client and she heard an ad on NPR. And Yes, this was it. This was okay, it. good. I have another good one too. But, but I want to she... hear the other one too. <laughs> okay. So she heard this ad on NPR and they were asking, is anybody doing online dating? And if so, can we follow you on a date? So she said, well, I'm doing three-day rule. You're welcome to follow me as I get matched. And our job was to match her one time and NPR was going to be there to you know, film the date. So we did. We found a former client of ours, this really great guy. We thought they were compatible for a lot of reasons. And we set them up on the date. NPR was there and it went well. And that was a win for us. We were so excited. It was a lot of pressure. And then they didn't tell us this, but about a year later, they went back on NPR to announce they had gotten married. So it really ended up working out. It was, I adore them and they just recently had a baby. So love them. And then another story that I really like that is just so telling of matchmaking is when I first started the company, I met this girl and she came to me like very preppy and pearls and she wanted like a finance guy. She wanted, she actually asked for a Jewish finance guy. And I got to know her a little bit more and I realized like she actually had an edge. Like I wouldn't have expected her to end up with a Jewish finance guy. So I asked her if I can send her up, can she please trust me on this one? Because he's not going to be what she's looking for. And she said, sure. I paired her with a guy covered in tattoos, long hair, not Jewish, (laughs) that I knew from my work. And I explained to her, he's a really great guy. Let me tell you what's not happening. You are not going to Four Seasons. You know, you will be going to concerts. If you end up together, this will be your life. And she said, you know what? I trust you. I'm up for the challenge. And they are married. It worked out. Wow. I just love the stories where we paired people with someone that they would totally have swiped left on and ended up getting married. I love that so much. And yeah, it really goes to show like the, the list of things you have for what your future partner looks like is probably definitely wrong. And you're really limiting yourself and missing out on incredible people. If you say like you need them to be a certain height, you need them to have a certain type of job or have gone to a certain type of school, all the things that we've been saying. And 
I love stories like that. And it makes me hopeful that people can listen to them and say like, okay, maybe I've been a little too hard and a little too like stuck to my list. And maybe I can be a little more flexible. Yeah. Just swipe right. If you're online date, like a few extra times, you know, try to step outside your comfort zone. And I always say your person's coming in a different package than you expect. Like really be open to that idea. Like you might be listening to this at Starbucks and your person might be next to you. Like make sure you're looking up and you're having conversations and just, you know, be open to all the possibilities and stop like getting, you know, getting in your own way and sabotaging yourself by only dating what's familiar to you. Yep, exactly. On that note, where can everybody find you? Where can people learn more about three-day rule? Where can people also sign up to be in the pool? Because I know that that's an amazing thing that people, guys, you need to be doing this if you think you've tried everything, but you're not in the pool. (laughs) You haven't tried everything. It's absolutely free to sign up to be in our network. So definitely do that. It's threedayrule.com. You have to spell it out, T-H-R-E-E. And all of our handles are at three day rule. So at the very least sign up to be eligible to be matched for one of our clients. And if you're interested in being a client, you can speak with one of us to learn more. Amazing. And I will link all of that in the show notes. So just scroll down, click the button, fill out your information, do it right now or else. And then tell every single one of your friends to do it because you know the whole group chat needs it and you can be in it together. Um, Talia, thank you so, so much. I'm really impressed. They just started banging on the wall. Somehow there was no drillage that whole time, even though the 10 minutes before this, it was ridiculous. Um, But we did it. We We did it. it. We made it. We made it. Thanks for everyone um, for bearing with us. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like this episode, don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review. And if you have a friend who would benefit from listening to this episode, which I know you do, Talia knows you do, you know you do, send this their way and we'll see you next time. Mads, I am obsessed with our brand pillars. You mean vagina sweat, good branding, and being Jewish-blooded queens, Scout? Uh, sure, but not quite. I love that OKSIS podcast and our sisterhood is made up of women who are down for main character energy only, who take care of their mental health, and who are standing in their personal power as entrepreneurs. Oh, yeah. That too, Scout. That too. We should probably introduce ourselves. Hello, everyone. I am Mads. And I am Scout. And we are sisters IRL. Join us on OKSIS Podcast every Monday for some sisterly banter, nourishing mental health, a whole lot of silliness, and inspiring interviews from the raddest female guests in the game. We promise it'll be a good time. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood!